Hi there. Hi there. How's it going? <laughs> I'm in a philosophical mood, Elena. I know, and I don't understand philosophy, so here we are. You don't like... Well, it's all right. We'll 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 circle back to it <laughs> after the recording. Spare some people. But this is... Because that's just for us. How are you? Welcome. We both have new spaces. We new do. New places. New existences. Yes. And we're rapidly approaching your month. My month is coming. God, what a nightmare. What a dream. Oh, gosh. I can't. 20, 27. That's too much. I don't want. I, for a second, I thought you were talking about the year or how old this podcast was. <laughs> and I was very confused. I mean, it is 27 years old now. Yeah, 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 but I, I, I didn't know where you were, you know, I didn't know where you brought that number from, mm. what, what, what in reference to. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I'm turning 27. That's so cool. That's whack. <laughs> well, I'll enjoy being the same age for another month, but in the meantime, I'm Stephanie. And I'm Elena. And this is Bet You Wish This Was an Art Podcast. Welcome. Welcome. So tell me about the new apartment. I'm so excited for you. New apartment. It's huge. This is this is both curiosity for me and also relevant. Do you now have your own like recording space? Theoretically, yes. Excellent. But not at this moment, so it might be a bit echoey. That's all right. In time. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the living room now. There is one okay. room that we're going to make like an office space. Mm. So that's going to be office space slash recording space, probably. Cool. Put up some heavy curtains in that room, A, to keep you warm in Europe, but also <laughs> keep the sound down. Yeah. Install yeah. some of those muffling. No, there's a word for it. Sound mufflers. That one. Yes. I don't know if that's the name, but that sounds correct. There's a panel. <laughs> I. It's fine. It's not be dumb. It's fine. <laughs> how fun. How cool. How exciting. Yes. How sexy and brave of you. It's in the, in the center of a tiny town, but Love it's it. in the center, so there's yeah, stores. So you feel like you're back in Tbilisi? Ish. I mean, <laughs> Tbilisi is like 10 times bigger than this, but it's that feel of being in, in town instead of mm. in the village, which is much better, in my opinion. How close are you to Maastricht? It's a 20-minute ride. Bike or car? car okay uh it's a bit further than it was before mm -hmm. but uh it's worth it i mean for the space alone <laughs> for the space alone man i can't wait to live in that apartment with you yes specifically in a guest bedroom that fur does not realize i will never leave <laughs> it's under construction at the moment that's Every all right like everything else <laughs> but uh i uh i'll take my time packing my bags don't worry okay <laughs> uh, i have cat updates uh oliver has been adopted well Oliver has been taken to his foster mom. Yeah. Sad. Sad. But also but necessary. He he did his best. He did. He was he was a brave a brave boy. I don't think he likes the cats at the new woman's place. I don't think he's ever had to like actually interact with cats. <laughs> but uh when I left him he was, you know, active. That's good. So we're hoping for good spirits. I think he's gone through a lot. <laughs> If you're yeah. uh just he's a good boy. I'm I miss him. I miss I miss having someone who's happy for me to come home. Maybe. <laughs> but there's also, you know, 
I can't. It's fine. Well, when you move here, I'm going to be happy that you're home. Yeah. Oh. So there you go. <laughs> Before I cry, what are we talking about today? <laughs> Our love for each other. Oh, what a good, what a good twist in fate and tone for this podcast. Finally, a place where we can love. Yes. <laughs> First, talk about first gonna be a th- third wheel. That's fine. I mean, he's tall enough. He is tall enough. He can he can stand and watch over. <laughs> he will. Oh, I us. I watched. This is for us. I watched Sun and Sea live. Yes, only relevant to like six people. <laughs> but still, there's a still there's a Lithuanian theater company or opera yeah theater company that created a performance you may have heard of it it's been in venice new york and now here middle of nowhere arkansas nice um, uh, nice procession truly <laughs> um and it's all about 60 minute performance of a day at the beach but what people don't seem to understand that i obviously from you guys's experience of it uh kind of understood it better The way that it works is that it is five continuous hours of the same performance. Yep. And because it is five continuous hours of it, people will cycle through the scene. So they'll like come in and out as as the performance is going on. And there's only six main performers and a whole bunch of like auxiliary um, actors, background actors. Mm -hmm. Um. And so you're never sure where you are in the performance. No. But but there is like a definitive beginning and a definitive end. And then it starts over again. Without any second hesitation, without any minute, just the performers know when they have to be on. And other than that, the rest of the scene can go on and they just have to hang out in bathing suits for five hours. Fun In job. a converted warehouse. Under 45 tons of sand. Yep. It's so cool. <laughs> it's very cool. I really enjoyed it. And I might try to see it again today, depending on how this recording goes. I mean, I would recommend seeing it multiple times. It's good. It's I loved it. Good. It makes me think of my friends. Yes. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I love opera. Uh, this was this is just mu- more musical type than opera, though. Uh, yeah, that's fair. But what are we talking about today? <laughs> Not opera. Today we are talking about architecture, oh. and more specifically, ziggurats. Ooh. We knew this was coming. It was inevitable. <laughs> Elena, what is a ziggurat? It's a structure. That's 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 a good start. <laughs> Well, we talked about the pyramids, so it was it only made sense to also talk about the ziggurats, because I kind of want to make this into a little mini-series, where we also talk about, like, the py- pyramids, the Chinese pyramids, the secret pyramids, and then we could talk about the Sudan pyramids. There's so many kinds of pyramids slash ziggurats out there, and, like, Mayan Kind of cigarettes, but not really cigarettes. Yeah. It's a whole topic, and I kind of want to get into it. And the basis of this topic is pyramids and is cigarettes. Now, let's get into cigarettes. 
<laughs> it's important. And not just because this could be a t- two minute long episode. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So essentially, the ziggurat is an invention of a Mesopotamian culture, ancient Near Eastern culture. And, uh, it's, it's like the pyramid. It has four sides. Imagine a stepped pyramid. So it's, it's just steps going upwards and going, getting smaller and smaller. And then at the end of it, it's theorized that there might have been a temple. Unlike a pyramid, this uh, structure was made for not burial, but for, uh, as like a, uh, a type of temple or type type of uh worshipping place for the gods of um mesopotamian religions and yeah it's it's uh, found scattered today in uh the areas of iraq and iran and they kind of stand as a testament of the power of Mesopotamia. And we kind of talked about a type of ziggurat before on this podcast when we talked about yes. the gardens of uh, Babylon. Which also corresponds largely with where ziggurats are kind of like expected to be in that Mesopotamian area. Yeah. Which is an interesting correlation, especially since the ziggurat of Babylon also has some other interesting connections to general Western art history. Indeed. And these ziggurats were built by ancient Sumerians, Akkadians, Elamites, uh, Eblates. This is truly an episode of How Were You Taught It? Yeah. Because <laughs> you would pronounce these things differently in Georgian, so I don't know how you pronounce them in English. <laughs> well, and they're not really meant to be, pre- you know, when it comes yeah. to ancient civilizations, I, A, give us a ton of leeway. And also, B, like, I was watching I was watching one lecture on on the um ziggurat of Ur and the professor presenting spoke with such confidence and I was watching her like huh, can't be me If you hear the dog barking it's from the neighbor Hey you also have an annoying dog neighbor high five <laughs> She's But fine. I call them Acadians Acadians so I was taught it as Sumerians, Akkadians, Elamites, Ablates, and Babylonians. It's Shumerian, <laughs> Georgian, and Akkad. Uh, yeah, it's, it's different. It's different. <laughs> it's different. It's Anyways. different. It's okay. It's fine. It's all right. Whatever. <laughs> Those peoples. <laughs> Them. Them. <laughs> what I, I, I do have to make a small aside before we even get started. I love ancient civilizations not necessarily for like the the mystifying like ooh, how did they live like that it's it's the fact that they lived so aggressively successful yeah. they used the technology of their time to the best of its ability and were able to form civilizations that you know rivaled any of the other cities countries cities you know city states that existed at the time and yet <laughs> The divergence of one river. Yeah. Could destroy it. Yeah. It's so cool. Everything was dependent on water. We've talked about this before. We've 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 definitely hit on that concept yes. of how 
if if you look at these cities and you go, how were they lost to time? It's mostly because they probably lost their water source. Yep. Because, I mean, this was once upon a time, especially, this is the area known as the Fertile Crescent, right? Where the Tigris and Euphrates River met. Mm-hmm. And so this was known historically as what's called the Fertile Crescent. And that means that this now desert area was rich in agriculture and in mineral resource and could support a civilization large enough to create works like ziggurats for each city that was built, like that was populous enough to require God protection. It's it's very cool. It's cool. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. And just like pyramids, it wasn't just one ziggurat and that's all. It was actually a whole complex of buildings. And it's usually these ziggurats were the center. And usually it was somewhere in the city center as well. So it was kind of a part of the everyday culture. And it was made from sun-baked bricks. Um, and Adobe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like... This idea that it's just mud that you mix with water and let it bake in the sun. Yeah, and then it was covered by fire bri- fired bricks on the outside. Mm-hmm. There's uh, theories that these ziggurats were colored. We'll talk a bit, a bit more about that later. But it has very specific symbols and astrological sign or like astrological significance question mark maybe (laughs) probably um a lot of that is also kind of based off of what other other pyramid structures kind of offer like we know that the ziggurats of the aztecs were able to be like had different astrological significance that there were 365 steps in in some cases or different effects were made during certain equinoxes um and we know that the egyptian pyramids faced west and so you know there's so much significance and ties to uh the sun and in ancient sumerian culture especially you have this and and other you know uh, any of the prevalent societies of mesopotamia had such an effect on other astrological bodies and lunar bodies like the moon and the stars and how their interplay Mm -hmm. affected the flow of of water and rivers and their life force ultimately what brought the flood what brought drought the -hmm. moon etc etc i mean imagine these as being even older than the pyramids that we know Uh, like (laughs) by by leaps and bounds yeah this is essentially six uh sixth millennium bce so it's about two thousand years before pyramids it is considered that pyramids might have derived or partially taken inspiration from these uh, ziggurats uh, especially since early egyptian pyramids were kind of stepped before they ultimately became the the more pyramid shape that we 
associate with them. Exactly. And it's also like uh, when we were talking about the pyramids, we were talking about how the stepped pyramid started with stacking one, like a mastaba, which is just a, like a square shape uh, mm-hmm. on top of another and just like making it a bit smaller and smaller and smaller. And so it was mastabas essentially that were stacked on each other. Mastaba is a burial place uh, that is, yeah, square. <laughs> and cigarettes are kind of described the same mm-hmm. when, uh, when yeah. you come across it. Like it's a mastaba-like structure, so it's same-ish. But yeah, same, same, but different. Different and I think concept and and different uh, use. Yeah, since exactly. mastabas are traditionally uh, burial, um, and not to say that like. Cities like Ur, uh, Ur didn't have um, massive grave sites, but what I think is the most defining difference in Egyptian pyramids and Mesopotamian ziggurats, not only based off the shape and size, right? Because uh, ziggurats had different floors to them; they could yeah. either be two floors high or up to seven floors high um, as opposed to pyramids that were massive mm-hmm. and location, right? Yeah. Pyramids were built off outside of the major cities. Ziggurats were built in the center of town. But first and foremost, the main differences between these two pyramid structures are Egyptian pyramids were made for burial sites for pharaohs mm-hmm. and ziggurats were made to be Religious temples. Probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> the reason why we keep saying probably is because that we don't have a remaining ziggurat that is like, how do you say it? In that like is complete. Uh, yeah, complete. <laughs> I was trying to think of an English word for it, but I cannot remember. Uh, but like a complete full version of how it was back then like we do have some like pyramids that are sure not 100% as they used to look back then but still it gives us a good vision of what it looked like but with the ziggurats we only have like ruins and only bottom parts usually so yeah. uh, we don't uh, it is assumed that at the top of the the, the ziggurat stood a temple but we don't know this because we don't have the top remaining and we don't have any evidence of this temple. So yeah, everything surrounding it is kind of theoretical. Um, but it only makes fun. Yeah, it is, it is fun. <laughs> it, it does make sense. The, the, the shrine idea or the temple idea makes the most sense, uh, theoretically speaking. Uh, so that's why that's kind of seen as the, like the truth of cigarettes. All right, that was the I think but <laughs> we can wrap it up here. No. But um there are so many functions to a ziggurat. While it was definitely not a place like how we understand mosques or temples or churches to be right in terms of a a public ceremonial space. There is a level of community built around it. For example, unlike the pyramid, which is not meant to be climbed because it is those sleek 
walls. Ziggurats have a lot of stairs. Yes. And ways to ascend. And this serves several practical functions. One, say a flood comes through your city. Yeah. It's really easy to ascend the ziggurat and wait for the waters to pass. Um, it's also convenient if you have to bring food and water up to the the temple structure at the top of the ziggurat or the shrine uh, aspect at the top of the structure. You know, because if people are there practicing, then they need to be able to get up there. And are do they stay up there? Question mark? Probably not, but also maybe, but also... Uh. We don't know. <laughs> and I think that's that's part of the reason why people keep coming back to the concepts of ziggurats. Because there was, there's definitely a secular aspect to it, right? Mm-hmm. The it's a, it's a symbol of power. This was something built by the ruler or king at the time who had to make a show of some sort of civic duty. So building a, a, a like a temple shrine at least offers uh, like a visual cue of his power as well as a pious nature. Um, there are a lot of sh- like figurines of rulers at this time depicted as builders. And obviously not a single one of them <laughs> would have ever... Uh, built his own temple but in in creating that visual language of i am builder i am just a simple man building this important structure you then you tie yourself into not only your society but also into your religious structure yeah which is you know makes sense with with it still being a religious space but also like you're not making this about yourself it's all about you without it be actually being about you. Yeah. Your body is not going to be interred here. That is not the point. This is not your final resting spot. But this is a legacy of yours that will be remembered. And especially since this is one of the civilizations that was so important for culture and for creative production. So many... Gilgamesh, for example. <laughs> yeah. As, as one of the more popular, famous ones. But regardless of the epics, there was lots of poetry and lots of art and games. And there's just, there's a lot of wealth in this area. And so if you could determine, like, if you could definitively carve yourself out, you could be remembered. I mean, every uh, ruler wants to leave a print on their country or their, their, what they're ruling over. Therefore, we get all of these pyramids, therefore we get all of these ziggurats, we get the like shrines dedicated to beloved passed away wives, and we get, yeah, <laughs> everyone wants their name to be remembered one way or another. So it makes sense that they would build one of the, like, the biggest structures in town and put it at the, in the center so everyone can see. I did this, y'all. <laughs> Don't forget. Don't me. forget who I am. It was me. me. <laughs> <laughs> now, there are many ziggurats. Yeah. Uh, most of which do not exist. If you look at the entirety of this temple complex, this temple network, as it's kind of referred to, of different deities. I think there are seven major Mesopotamian deities. Um the one that I think we'll focus on is the one you know, 
the one you love, the one you were probably taught in an art history class. This is a girl out of Ur. Ur? Ur. 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 Yes. Um, the ziggurat of Ur um, is something that we see a lot uh, now. Uh, well, not per se now, but in the modern architecture period of buildings. Because Bauhaus and the brutalist architecture movement kind of were inspired by the shape of these ziggurats and specifically ziggurat at Ur. Um, so if you look at like structures of Bauhaus, you see that inspiration, like this br- brutalism and this like, well, they took it to an extreme, to an extreme that, uh, that was not <laughs> meant to be taken when, when the ziggurats were being built. Do uh-huh. you dare tell the architects of the Bauhaus style, that their style is too much. They suck. Please. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of these buildings that we could think of could be the Al-Sakura building, uh, which is the government building in Baghdad, and uh, also the Babylon Hotel in Baghdad is uh, inspired by a ziggurat. There are some yeah. as well in the U.S., like in California and Sacramento and stuff. But we'll we'll, we'll <laughs> tackle that when we get when we circle back to the Bauhaus. Yeah, yeah, eventually, <laughs> far in the future, <laughs> <laughs> when we're brave enough. When we're brave enough. But the cigarette at Ur, Ur is essentially it was built around 2100 BCE. Uh, so it's a bit later than the Great Pyramids. Um, and it was built by the king Ur Namu. And, uh, it, he was the third of the third dynasty of Ur. It was also built for the moon god Nana, um, the divine patron of the city state. I think we understand like different cities having different patron saints. I think is probably the most recent like way to to depict it if you come from a Catholic country or have a, you know, a particular interest in that. But even, um, Greeks and Romans associated different gods with different cities. And uh, for example, Athena for Athens yeah. makes the most immediate connection. So similar to the Temple of Athena, these structures kind of like were meant to Celebrate your particular deity, and in this case, Nana for or or. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm I I'm sorry for everything. It's fine. It's fine, Tian. Yeah, Ur was the high, highest point in the city, and would have been visible from basically every point of of the city. As a ziggurat kind of supported this temple of the patron god of city of the city Ur, uh, it's likely that it was where the citizens would bring like agricultural surplus and uh, where they would receive their regular food allotments. The ziggurat of Ur was 
the most important structure in the city, but it it's, has not survived to this day. Some blue glazed bricks have been found, uh, which archaeologists suspect that uh, that they might have been part of the temple's decoration. However, yeah, we do have the bottom part that's surviving, like the the lowest tier of the ziggurat, and it has kind of design elements, uh, the details of engineering and design that look quite impressive. But yeah, that's that's the only thing we can go on to imagine what it looked like. And realistically, it's not even part of the original. No. Which, you know, I, I, I understand the, the significance of why everyone has to bring that up, as I just did. But like, I think what is interesting as an interpretation of this religious holy site it's it's kind of like your predetermined religious holy site. You have it. And so not only do you not try to corrupt it, but also this is where you're going to keep building. And so uh, time and time again, we see that this particular structure is rebuilt mm-hmm. a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. And this this kind of ties into to why the one that we see now isn't what it probably once was. Re isn't what it once was, but also that isn't what it once was because it was another structure beforehand, and and there's so much evidence to prove that this was just a a site that people kept building and improving the original ziggurat structure yeah. on, and yet it still couldn't stand. <laughs> they uh they needed to take some tips from the Egyptians. They needed more stone. <laughs> They needed a better baked brick. <laughs> Toby doesn't super hold up well, especially in an area prone to flooding, yeah. I suppose, is the ultimate deterrent. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it was four millenniums ago. <laughs> I mean, four centuries fair. ago. I'm right. <laughs> it was in the 1700s, right? <laughs> Age of Sail, the, the, the great ziggurat of Ur, you know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it has been restored many times. Another ziggurat that is very well known is the, and, and also was restored many times, was the Etemanaki uh, ziggurat. And the name of it, it's also known as the Temple of Marduk, uh, Marduk, and, um, the name Etemanaki, I don't, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. It translates to Temple of the Foundation of Heaven and Earth. So cool. It's very cool. And this temple is also associated with the Tower of Babel. And this whole region is it's so funny to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but there's, um, we won't get into it, but there's a lot of religious ties into this area for perhaps Abrahamic reasons. But um, the fact that this was considered to be the original Tower of Babel uh, is really interesting to me because when Bruegel, the you know, the famous Dutch painter created his Tower of Babel painting. He used the Temple of Marduk as his example. 
or like as his inspiration without knowing what a ziggurat looks like. Yeah. So there's a lot of um, architectural references in that particular painting that have nothing to do with a ziggurat. But <laughs> but <laughs> he, he gave it his best shot. He tried. Okay. He tried. <laughs> he tried. I don't know. I thought that was interesting. It is interesting. I mean, it's a cool little detail. <laughs> but I I love that Tower of Babel is connected to cigarettes. I love that. I think it's cool. I think it's I think cool. it's really cool. Yes. <laughs> it's all it's all super connected. Especially for sites like this, right, where there is no real creation date. Yeah. A you know, because the site has been used for millennia, yeah. truly centuries longer than we could even comprehend in a modern setting, which also makes me existential, which is part of the reasons why I super love uh, ancient civilizations. <laughs> Fair. Fair. <laughs> but, but also, like, the there's there are kind of some guesses as to when this site was kind of established in Babylon. Um, one of the professors at University of London, who's a kind of professor of Babylonian, Middle East, Oriental, African studies, uh, Andrew R. George, says that it was probably constructed sometime between the 14th and 18th century BCE, which is fair. It's fair. Uh, it's a fair wiggle room, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> when when you take it into consideration, the the establishment of Babylon which is kind of what also corresponds with those dates. Because it is connected to Babylon and then the destruction of Babylon in sixteen no, in 689 BCE. And then also like the, the invasion and capture of Babylon by Alexander the Great. It, it, it's been, it's been through a lot. <laughs> this, it's been through a lot. <laughs> They were, so when Babylon was destroyed, they rebuilt or like they tried to restore the city afterwards. And the, the ziggurat was essentially rebuilt by Nebuchadnezzar II. We know him. You We've know We've talked him. about him. We have. <laughs> it became, again, like the central part of the city and uh, the most important, one of the most important parts of the city. But then again, when Alexander the Great captured Babylon, he ordered more repairs done on the temple. But I mean, this is like 300 years later. So repairs were needed, probably. <laughs> and he, he ordered these repairs to be done, but he passed away before uh, it could be finished. So yeah, it's Alexander the Great. He's a dramatic bitch. Um, he was not pleased with how slow the reconstruction was built was going so he ordered his army to demolish the entire building in order to prepare for a final rebuilding and then yeah he died so there was no reconstruction so thanks for that alex uh you suck yeah um honestly <laughs> one day we should do an entire episode on the effects of alexander the great on Things he should not have touched. Shouldn't have touched anything. Shouldn't have touched anything. Should have stayed where he was. Yeah. But, you know? <laughs> it does make me upset, too. But I, I think, like, more to, like, modern interpretations of it, there 
Alexander the Great is just one of many who looked at ziggurats as a thing that he needed to have a statement on. And in even destroying it, it also references his power over it, Mm -hmm. which kind of offers power over the city. Like, there has been so much damage and so much destruction in this area. Because, like, think about it. Where where we are in the world is, like, where where these civilizations were, Mm -hmm. where these structures are, are so (laughs) war-torn. Yeah. And because of that, you have ruler after ruler after ruler who is trying to create some semblance of narrative for themselves. And so even Saddam Hussein, more recently, tried to reconstruct the ziggurat of Ur for for that same reason, to create a level of authenticity and to legitimize his power over Iraq and also ended up getting it damaged. Of course. It's fine. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, I, I... it's it's interesting and it it creates a lot of political conversation and honestly I don't think we're brave enough to to dive into the politics of Mesopotamia yet. No, maybe one day. Maybe one day. One day we'll circle back. But um, all of it, every change, every established temple, every every creation, every brick that was laid has a larger significance. Yes. And and I think. As opposed to many other temples that we look at and many other um, pyramids even that we look at, there's something so uniquely connected to Mesopotamian politics and society and culture that the ziggurat brings that other structures like this don't necessarily hit in the same way. And then there's also the like the diaspora of Mesopotamian influence. And how other cultures became inspired by the concept of, and we kind of looked at that with Caravaggio of, you don't necessarily have to meet the guy to, to replicate the art. Yeah. And so you don't necessarily need to go to Ur to replicate the ziggurat, but you can follow this concept that you've heard of. But then how did you hear it? It's, <laughs> and how do so many other civilizations have this similar, design and a similar function and and is it because it's an easy way to build something monumental and are you connecting it to mountains but why are you connecting it to mount it's we're all connected staff we want the collective unconscious wants us to be in space eleni <laughs> anyways it's uh. great it is great. I love this. I don't think we're brave enough to tackle politics in this episode. No. The ziggurats were a part of Mesopotamian culture that, for whatever reason, the exact same thing was built all over the world at the same time, or same-ish time. Uh, my conspiracy theory is that Herodotus was behind everything. I believe that. <laughs> uh, but, Yeah. <laughs> That's you know, if you put that in a published article, I, think, I would make it required reading. I think people would agree with me. <laughs> I think I think people would have to agree with you. He's literally everywhere, I swear. <laughs> Whatever I read about is Herodotus. 
<laughs> like he was the one who said it first. And I'm like, fuck that guy. We love to see it. <laughs> uh, hold on to that theory, babe. We'll, we'll get rich quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he's apparently seen everything, been everywhere, done everything. Done everything. He's got opinions on all of it. God, shut up, man. <laughs> sit, sit down. Elena, thank you so much for doing this episode with me. Thank you too, Stephanie. <laughs> what a nightmare. Oh. What a beautiful dream. Oh, I would say nightmare. <laughs> oh, I would say so. We'll, we'll come back. We will. We will talk more about this. For more Mesopotamian... Uh, conspiracy theories, opinions on long dead authors, uh, neglect of the British Museum, mm-hmm. uh, updates, newsletters, transcripts, transcripts, <laughs> transcripts, <laughs> blog posts, and more. Head on over to our website at bywartpod.com. You can also find us on Instagram at bywartpod and on Twitter at bywartpod. You can also email us at bywartpod at gmail.com. And of course, you can check us out on Patreon. Our Patreon is the best way to support us if you like the work that we're doing here at BiWAP. Come say hi. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Please respect ancient Mesopotamian culture, for the love of God. (laughs) For the love of God. (laughs) Stop bombing heritage sites, I beg you, please. (laughs) And you too build cigarettes. Build one right now. Backyard. Let's go. Let's do it. Call me up. I'll be right over. Come over. I have a terrace we can build it on. How cool. Anyway, I'm so excited for your new place, Elena. Yes. Spring 2022, baby. Yes. <laughs> oh, we'll do it. All right. And remember. When in doubt. Titty out. Lovely. Excellent. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye-bye.